0: Welcome to the Chasing Thoughts podcast. Chasing Thoughts was founded by strangers, two life coaches who met on TikTok and shared the desire to create a different kind of life coaching podcast. Instead of talking about how to do it right, the Chasing Thoughts podcast explores embracing our true essence to find a deeper sense of purpose and fulfillment. Life Coaches Keith and Mindy take a unique approach that transcends popular notions of perpetual happiness and striving relentlessly to become one's ideal self. Listen in as Mindy, Keith, and their guests take a deep dive into their own minds and souls to investigate the beauty of imperfection, challenge their beliefs, and embrace the richness of living a truly authentic life.
1: Hi, my name is Keith, and I'm a strategic interventionist and stoner-spirited life coach.
2: Hi, my name is Mindy, and I am an authenticity empowerment coach.
0: Welcome to Chasing Thoughts.
2: Hey.
1: Hey, how you doing?
2: Oh, wait, I need my headphones. Sorry about that.
1: Oh no! Worries. It's so weird. With this, I feel like I'm yelling.
2: Now, can I hear you?
1: Yeah, can you hear me now? Is
2: my stuff not connected. Hmm. Can you hear me if I'm unplugged? Yeah. Hmm. All right, I'm gonna try to plug in again and see if it'll automatically connect. Okay, it said it changed to this and that, but now you can't hear me, right? Hmm. I can hear you. You can hear me? Yeah. Oh, I can't hear you. That's the problem. I can only hear you when I'm unplugged. Huh. Say something again?
1: How you doing?
0: Mm-mm.
2: That's weird. Uh. Say something again now? Okay, how does this sound? Like if I don't have my stuff hooked up, it's fine. I'll just count on the Zoom uh recording this time.
1: Yeah, sounds good on this end.
2: Yeah. How's it going?
1: Good. Um my office got hijacked, so I'm like sitting on my bed. My wife was supposed to be at work today, and uh they let her work from home today, so she has like her whole setup back there too. So I was like, "Oh man, the one day I wanted her at work." <laughs>
2: I don't think it that matters too much.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, not at all. Um. So, what I realized after I posted this morning, I was like, I should have asked if that was okay to talk about that publicly. Was that okay? Oh yeah,
1: hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. Okay.
2: <laughs> so, um, I thought that we'd record this and then I could upload it to like a Google Drive or something that we'll share, and then. Like, we could both take our hands at editing it if we wanted to and kind of see what we came up with, share it. I don't really know what your skills are and you don't know what mine are really yet as far as, like, the technical stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> um, make some clips, upload those to Google Drive, you know, just kind of see what happens and how it, like, comes out as far as the production piece.
1: Sure. That sounds good. Yeah.
2: Um, okay. And then with this episode, you want to just, like, I'll introduce myself, you introduce yourself and... Kind of talk about why we're coaches and just whatever comes up.
1: Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It sounded really cool on the TikTok too.
2: Yeah, I know. I That's think a good it, idea. It's well, yeah, it's fun. I think it's something that um people can get interested in, right? Yeah. Idea of strangers. And I also think it's really cool because as life coaches, we're like teaching people how to interact with life, right? Yeah. And this gives us so many opportunities to do that. We might say things that we don't agree with each other or we might have like, and that is great to be able to model what a relationship is like and how you get to know somebody from a place of curiosity and non-judgment.
1: Yes, that is huge. Uh, I think, especially in this day and age, like that is missing so much.
2: Yeah, and I think, you know, when I saw your videos on TikTok, that was one of the things I really resonated with was that idea right that that's when you sit in that place and approach life everything just takes on a different shade
1: yeah yeah I found that I I stopped looking at people as threats like when they when they didn't agree with me Mm -hmm. and that was again like what I loved about your videos is that there were people that were like nope you're 100% wrong or or whatever and I think every video that you made in response always started with um, thank you for the conversation you know I love this and that was something that just like drew me to your videos, you know, because you were actually living what you were talking about as well, you know, which is so
2: important. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Okay. Well, um, for the public, why don't you tell people who you are?
1: (laughs) Okay. Um, so I am Keith Dosh. Uh, I go by master cheese on all the socials. Um, uh, so, all right. Basically I was in 1995. So a long time ago, uh, I joined the army, uh, cause I, I was kind of really had no direction in life.
2: How and, old were you then? Like, when did you go into the army?
1: Uh, I was 18 going on 19.
2: Yeah. So that's young. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Really. Yes. Young. Um, and I haven't gone through anything what the men and women of today have gone through, but Um, We were part of the first troops that went into Bosnia uh, to sort of with the peacekeeping mission to stop the whole um, Bosnian genocide that was going on and never been in a firefight or anything like that. But just the aftermath of that genocide that I saw, like I came home and I was completely different, but I didn't know why. Uh, Everything scared me. Um, I was a paratrooper, which I loved uh, jumping. And all of a sudden I hated jumping. Mm-hmm. Um, I hated being in the military. I hated the complete uncertainty that came with not knowing when we were going, whether it's training real world, anything, like I just couldn't deal with it. I always had to have that knowledge of what was going to happen. And that just turned into a rage inside of me. Um, and if I, me and my wife were just talking about this today, uh, it wasn't too bad when, when I was still in, uh, I was stationed over in Italy and, It was there but it wasn't too bad and then when i got out that's when a flip just switched i became the most angry emotionally abusive um person you'd ever meet you know i i remember like there was a time that i got caught talking to another girl like because my wife is kind of like like 007 you know james bond like she will figure out a way so she bought a uh one of This old thing, like we don't need them anymore with the cell phones and stuff, but I had like a caller ID. It was like this, a caller ID box that was off the phone. So she just plugged it into a phone jack we never used and then showed me the number. And within five minutes of screaming at her, she was apologizing to me. So I I was wrong. And I convinced her that it was because she didn't trust me that she caused all of this. And um, and I remember, in fact, one time where she just looked up at me and was was asked me to bring her to the hospital because she said, I, th- "I think I'm going insane," and I agreed with her. Like, yeah, there is something wrong with you because I I would not blame myself for anything. So we we ended up uh, separating, getting divorced, and I realized that my problems followed me. Um, in fact, they got worse. Uh, I started spiraling big time. And I had no idea what was going on with me. You know, I, I turned to religion and because so I grew up in a church and, you know, they always told us like, if you're depressed or have anxiety, it's because there's um, something wrong between you and God. And if you don't know what it is, it's a secret thing that you've done that God's punishing you for, but he won't tell you what it is. Um, which is kind of a dick move, I would. Like you're like, who wants to
2: believe in that
1: guy? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like going up to my daughters and being like, you guys are in trouble. Well, for what? Like figure it out. Like you (laughs) know, passive aggressive. (laughs) Yeah. Um so I I what I started to see like I, I was the problem, you know, um, that no matter where I went, my problems were still there. I'd be happy for like a week or so, and then I would just dive right back into the depression and all that. Um I was very violent. You know, if somebody cut me off, it would be a personal attack. I would try to run them off the road. Um, For some reason, driving was like so triggering for me. Um, And I also thought all this made me like tough. Mm -hmm. You know, looking back now, I see like how I was just a small, weak, you know, little man that was, you know, trying to project this power that I didn't have
2: right you're like my armor is so big my armor is so big yeah
1: yeah and it's like no like I am the most pathetic person you know and uh so after a little bit um I started to change just sort of by myself like trying to be more loving more caring and be more more friendly with my my ex-wife now um and I don't know how, like, she's a, uh, an angel, like a miracle in my life. Cause she forgave me for everything. Um, and we got remarried. Yeah. Three years after we separated and then one year after the divorce. And now back then, yeah, June 17th, it was 28 years total that we've been so cool. together and we are closer now than ever. Yeah. So, um, when I, I started going back to college and and I ran into another veteran and he was telling me about PTSD. And I was like, yeah, I, do that, I do that. I do that. I do that. I went down the list. Um, so he's like, you gotta go to the VA. And I had this hope come up inside of me. And, uh, so I went to the VA and I'm like, here's my answers. And the VA was like, yeah, we don't, we're not here to fix people. You know, we're just here to medicate them and and keep them coming in. Um, I was told that I was bipolar Um, I was told like, it was all these different things that it wasn't PTSD. I was told that it was, um, a loss of my innocence that I was mourning and I should go to a grief counseling group. And, you know, so walk into a grief counseling group with people that have just lost family members, children, parents, whatever. And I'm supposed to say, I lost my innocence. You know, I'm like, I'm like, that is just so disrespectful. Um, another, uh, another doctor told me, um, I should rub my legs and whisper to myself. So, and, and I get where it's like coming from. I've had other therapists say, yeah, it's like a calming technique and all that. But now I, I look like this, except I always had this angry look on my face. And when I would go to school, I would sit in the back of class and would not talk. And then you have these 19, 20 year old kids and I'm supposed to sit there rubbing my legs under my desk and like whispering like, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like I would call the cops on myself. Like if that was going on. And so there was just like, no, so I ended up leaving and I decided I'm going to become an alcoholic and just numb everything and, and whatever happens in life happens. Um, my wife got pissed. She, she ended up finding like the home number for the uh, head of patient advocacy at the VA, um, which is not listed. I don't know how she found it. She's like a Google ninja. Um, She called congressmen, senators, state and federal, everything. She went nuts. Um, I find they ended up getting me in with um, a new doctor. And the problem is they, they don't listen to you. They read the, the notes on the screen while you're talking. And then they diagnose you based off of the notes from the other doctors. And so while I was telling her this is what my wife did, she wasn't listening to me. She was just reading the screen, and her her response was when I finished, she said, "See, all those phone calls you made that like it's that's also a sign of being bipolar, you know that overreact." And I'm like, "You just diagnosed my wife as bipolar, like not not me. Do you understand that?" Um, and she got, she got all upset and everything. So I was like, see, this is a joke. Like they're, they're not going to help at all. And everything was just, oh, here, take this medication. And then they'd come in. I, when I go back, I'm like, how hey, are you feeling better? Nope. Okay. Take this medication. So all, all of it, like I was coming down, going up, coming down, going up, like constantly. Um, finally, they got me in with a great doctor. Um, who I, like I saw a couple months ago, he's, he's a great guy. And, um, he finally did a PTSD assessment score on me and the worst like severe PTSD is eight. I, I scored a 74. So I was, I was up there. So I'm like, all right, finally I have proof that this is, and I'm like, I'm not looking for money. I don't need a disability check. Like I just want hope in my life. Yeah. Um, at that time I started taking classes in anthropology and I, I stumbled upon a rite of passage model and, and I decided I'm going to study myself, study veteran reintegration and why we're having all these problems. And this rite of passage model fit perfectly going into the military. And all the, all the literature talked about that. Like it, it is a rite of passage. Um, I even go a step further where it's, it's not a job change. It's a cultural shift that you take going from civilian world to the military um, culture. But when you leave, it's just, uh, okay, now you fit in the military culture, and now we're just going to put you back in the civilian world, and um, thank you for your service, see you later. And it's just messing people up. Like, they they feel lost, they feel like they don't belong, and, and that's all stuff from just the transition back into the civilian world. So I started studying that and seeing all this stuff, and, and um, one of my professors, who I, I was so angry at the time, she was like, you have to look at every aspect of, of like this healing, and I hated life coaches. I thought life coaches were like people living in their parents' basements that were, you know, couldn't handle their own problems, but just telling everybody else how to handle their problems. Um, and I, th- I think there's definitely some like out there like that. Um, even though I just got kicked out of my office because my wife is home. <laughs> but uh, I I started trying out some, some different coaching and I started trying to practice the strategies they used and I had an anxiety attack and I shut it off like in 30 seconds, just through a visualization. So I was like, all right, no, 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 this can't, this can't work. You know? So I, I dove more into it. Everything was working, you know? I mean, it took some time I had to put in the work and everything. And since I was kind of doing it, um, like, you know, unsupervised, it took a little time for me to figure stuff out. And then I, I started, I signed up for classes and started taking the courses specifically so I can train myself. Never thought I'd be starting a life coaching business and everything. And then a couple of people that I knew, they were like, yeah, well, I'll like practice on me and started seeing changes in them. And I'm like, there's definitely something here. So I had some friends that are like, you know, you need to, need to do this. Um, and to make a short story a lot longer, um, i i I went back to the va i did another ptsd assessment score with no medications no therapy um my my score dropped by 36 points and they were like how how did you do this this does not this does not happen you know and um yeah the only thing i use is is i've fallen in love with cannabis and uh and psilocybin um like it is it is helped me connect internally instead of what the other meds did, which almost just disconnect. It made me feel numb. It was like a disconnection and these medicines just helped me connect, you know, so much more. Um, yeah. So my life is just completely changed now. And uh, that's why I love, I love the coaching and I love to see the changes in the people that I'm working with too. Like, I mean, that's just what fires me up in life. It's amazing.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I love the parts of your story that are so um authentic right like i was gaslighting my wife right I, I was this sort of abuser in the relationship i was messed up i had to try medication because when people there's this culture of shame around those things yeah. right And people yeah. don't seek help and that's really sad and then there's a culture in life coaching of like Well, we must be perfect and have know all the answers so we can give the answers. And it's like, no, that that's not what it's about at all, right? Or people say, oh, well, her life's messed up, so how could she be a life coach? And you're like, okay, you're still not getting it,
1: right? Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's, it's we're all messed
2: up. Those journeys.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's it's and it's finding new areas to grow you know, like yeah. instead of hiding behind, there's a great book by this uh, author, uh, Dr. Edith Egger. She's a, a therapist. She's a Holocaust survivor. Um, and she just talked about how, you know, we build these prisons up. And then even Brene Brown talks about vulnerability. You know, yeah. we're so afraid of vulnerability. And she said, when we are afraid of it, it becomes this prison of shame that keeps us trapped inside. But if we move through it, I mean, it's so free and it, it's cool too. I'm a a big like science nerd and that was like the one the for one of the first things that I saw was so we have black holes you know and nothing can escape it everything just gets sucked in and most of the time that's what we try to do is we try to crawl our way out of a black hole but there's a theoretical object called a white hole which starts at a point of singularity and then expands outward Mm. and so nothing can actually stay inside of it everything gets injected outwards so at the end of at the at the bottom of a black hole, or whatever, however you say it, there, there's that. It comes to that point of singularity. So instead of trying to crawl our way back, if we turn and face that singularity and push through, then life explodes on the other side of it. Yeah. Um, and that's why now I face vulnerability. At, you know, with like, there's nothing to be ashamed of. You know, this is what I've done.
2: Yeah, yeah, this is I was. even making friends with that shame, if and when it does come up, right? Like, oh, here's shame again. That's right. Funny that how funny that it's visiting me. I thought I dealt with this little guy. Like, okay, let's do this again, buddy. (laughs)
0: Right,
2: Tackling it and wrestling with it in a new way and then growing because of that.
1: And that's the thing. I mean, our brains are designed to move us away from pain and towards pleasure. So we're trying to move from the pain of that shame, but in reality, that's our minds trying to help us to grow you know, it's like, so it's, it's actually a good thing. Shame is a good thing. Embarrassment, all that stuff, you know, as long as we use it for what it's for, like to help us see the chinks in our armor so that we can grow through that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I really relate to your story. Um, I had just sort of a, a rough life, you know, poverty, mental illness in my family and, I was in a really bad car accident where I should have died when I was young, you know? So I I had all these traumas. I was actually in a domestic violence relationship in my first marriage, right? Other way around, getting out of that, learning about that. And there came this point in my life where I was like, this can't be what it is. Like everybody just going out like, (laughs) like smiling and like playing these roles and like everything felt so empty. And I was like, this can't be it. It like... It has to be more than this. And so um, same as you, like I went back to church and I went to India and I studied with this teacher and that like just trying to find the depth of life, right? Like the juice of it. And then I found life coaching by accident, you know, gotten, gotten in touch with the life coach. And like, she turned that light around and I'm like, oh, the depth's here. Like it's juicy in here. Like I get it. Like I make life- rich and juicy by going in. And then that like shines into my life and my life has become filled with this depth and wonder and curiosity, right? Yeah. And um, so then when I looked into actually going to life coaching school and opening a business, same sort of thing. People I encountered, I'm like, I, this is embarrassing. I don't want to call myself a life coach, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like this, this doesn't feel right. I don't. I'm, I don't have any right to give people advice. That's not what I'm yeah. doing here. And so I actually had this joke in my head. I'm like, could I market myself as the anti-life coach? And I'm like, mm, that <laughs> doesn't really work, you know? So most life coaches are like, be happy all the time and reach your goals. And I'm like, well, yeah. I want to tell people that. Not to be happy all the time, right? Because that's not reasonable or helpful. And don't set any goals or destination, just enjoy the experience. (laughs) So so what do I want to sell? Right. I'm like, I'm a life coach that sells doing nothing. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, then sort of going forward into the profession and trusting it would come. Then I realized, you know, some of the things you're talking about, like okay, it's about my needs. It's about my authenticity. It's about how this shows up for me. It's about, right? And then as as I started to work with clients and help them investigate themselves and their own wisdom and knowing and body knowledge, right? Then it became uh, a little bit more concrete, like, okay, I'm meant to do this by helping people help themselves, right? Like turning that inward and holding that space for that, curiosity in that expansion.
1: That is so, I love that. Yeah. And I love, I love how you found it's that same thing that you had that moment where you're like, oh, the light is in here. That's where I have to go. Cause I think that's the, the thing that's so cool about life coaching is that's where, from, from what I found, that's where they direct you.
0: Yeah. You
1: know, there's none of the external thing. It's always this internal thing. I love that.
2: Yeah, what story are you telling yourself about that? What's going on inside of you? And I think just there's sort of this culture, like do what you're told, just don't you know stay status quo. And that was a big part of your story with the VA, like, oh, we're just gonna give you some drugs and then just be a functional member of society, like be a good boy, be a good girl, right? And there's this tremendous pressure for that. Just be normal, walk the line. And I feel like life coaching is giving someone permission to not do that. Yes. I feel like that's what I do for my clients. They come to me and they go, well, I kind of this and I kind of that. And I go, yeah, you have permission to do what you want. And they go, no, and I go, yeah. And then we, we look at it. Right. And, um, Cause that's hard to do when your parents and your society and your religion and all these things are telling you, don't look inside yourself. Don't follow yourself. You can't trust yourself. Question. See what everybody else thinks about you.
1: Yeah, Yep. It's like that movie. Uh, don't look up. Have you ever seen that?
2: Uh, I don't think I have.
1: Uh, I think it's on like Netflix or something, but like this asteroid is coming and and these astronomers are like, Hey, you know, we got to prepare because this asteroid's going to, will destroy the earth. And the government's like motto becomes don't look up, it's not a problem, don't worry about it. And right. then it ends up destroying everything. And that's what it is. Like, yep, our answers are inside, you know. Um I even get to the point like where the 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 courses that people sell, like I like that, but then I'm also like, we're all different, so it all has to be tailor-made, you know what I mean? So, but there is that foundational thing like that we can put into courses and stuff like that. But then it's like, yeah, yeah. it's gotta be specific to the person. And I think that's why like, I'm really drawn to like the one-on-one stuff because everything is always different.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I I think I like the one-on-one stuff a lot more. I think it's more rich and deep. Yeah. I think when you're facilitating a group, which I used to do a lot in person, um, and I'm gonna try to do more in Zoom in the future to see what it's like, it's... um, cultivating the safe space for everybody to reflect off each other and share that space versus Mm. just you and a client reflecting and sharing that space. So I think role of the coach is a little bit more role of a facilitator. And so it kind of changes the dynamic, but I agree with you. The one-on-one stuff is so rich. And I, I just love a day after working with clients and hearing everybody's stories and no, I've never heard a story that I haven't thought was beautiful.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. What, what's like the, like, if, if one pops to your mind, uh, right away, like which, what story would that be?
0: Um,
2: I was working with a woman who just like we're talking about very strict life, strict family, strict culture. And the choice was, do I follow in the right path and the right footsteps and make my family happy and my society happy and do what I'm supposed to, or do I take this tremendous risk of losing everything, thinking my family's going to hate me. I'm going to destroy them. I'm never going to have, you know, all the thoughts that you're, and walking through that process, Right. And there is no right or wrong answer for anybody who's in that situation. Either one of those could be a fulfilling life, right? You can choose things and there's always wonder. Yeah. But it's an honor to help somebody get outside of their own head and look back in. And I think that's why we all need each other because, like, I love learning by myself. I learn by myself. You know, it sounds like you're the same way. You read a yeah, lot, you yeah. think a lot, you journal, right? Um, but I still need people to reflect me back to me to help me see outside my own brain.
1: Yeah. 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 I started, um, about six months ago, meeting up like once a week with a group of uh, friends and entrepreneurs and everything. And every, everyone's like younger than me, you know, they're all like the millennials and stuff. And of course we're supposed to like hate on the millennials, but I had learned so much from that. It is incredible. Like even just learning, like I, I can do what I want.
2: Yes. You know, I, I can yeah. buy
1: the thing that I want, no matter if somebody else thinks it's stupid or, you know, a waste of money. Like I can still do that. That's okay. You know, and I'm like, why am I 45, 40 or 48 now? And like, just realizing this now. Totally. <laughs> you know, but we are so trained to to be the robots, to be uh, like a cog in an assembly line, you know, from kindergarten up, you go to school, sit down, shut up, don't say anything. Don't talk to your neighbor. You know, and this is the way you have to learn, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy.
2: Yeah, it really, it is. And I love this younger generation and they give me so much hope. And I know that a lot of people are really um, upset about the state of the world and understandably so, right? Like it's kind of gnarly out there, (laughs) you know? Um, But man, then that's one of the things I love about TikTok actually is there's so much love and creativity and people- realizing that they don't want to play this game anymore they're going to show up differently and force the game to change yes and that every time i see somebody like that when i'm scrolling i'm like yes there's like more of us we're waiting the scale of shifting like human evolution and consciousness
1: yes not
2: have our value stemmed from how we make the capitalist society money
1: (laughs) yes yeah
2: Like, wow, we're more than that.
1: (laughs) Right, yeah. Yeah, I love that, yeah.
2: Yeah, and I think, you know, the balance for a lot of people is, okay, I start to believe that, I'm thinking that, but how do I feed myself? What does this look like practically in the world? And that is, I think where a lot of coaching comes in is people trying to actually bridge that path And how do I get out off the hamster wheel? How do I get out of this? Not just like life itself. And how do I feed my kids and pay my rent, but also how do I get out of this belief system? Like I'll say, you know, the Christian belief systems are ones that are really rooted in there. How do I not think that all my righteousnesses are filthy rags when I've been told that for so long, right? How do you what do you do to weed that out of your head so it's not clanging around in there messing things up? And that takes time and intention and attention to take a look yeah. at.
1: Yeah, I, I'm I'm still I, I'm I'm still working on it. I feel like I've oh, yeah. I've, I've made huge strides, but I'm still. I still like apologize too much because it's such a, it's such a natural habit, you know, even just like how how my brain is wired to do it because I've done it so much. And the thing I'm like trying to do is I figure like, well, it was the language that I was telling myself in my head, you know, that, that created that environment in my head. So if the language that I used did that, then the language that I use can change that. Yeah. And it's not a thing of like having to focus on stopping doing that, you yep. know, but like, so tonight we have, I'm a part of a pool league on Friday nights and we have pool and every you know, everybody's drinking and and, and people have tempers, you know, you miss, you, you make all these great shots and you know, they're happy. You miss that one shot and they're just like losing it. And, um, and so it's, if I'm like in somebody's way, I'm always quick to be like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry. E- even though like, I mean. There's, i didn't do anything wrong you know i mean and there isn't any wrong so making that intention of when i go there i never say sorry mm. you know unless i unless i've done something wrong you know
2: yeah. um
1: instead of instead of just saying excuse me or you know go ahead you're good you know whatever so i can say and still accomplish the the mission which is to to get out of the person's way that's shooting without taking blame for it on myself, you know? But like you said, that intention is massive. I think that's where it all starts, the intention.
2: Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, I would say that I am the same way, like people pleaser, right, apologizer. I think that's how we're trained to be in society. And so I would argue that 98% of us are that way and it's an unlearning for all of us. And on the I'm sorry thing, I'm not even as far as you are to be able to recognize it in the moment and do it. Sometimes I can right? like, Oh, I'm about to say, I'm sorry. I'm going to say thank you instead. Like not, I'm sorry. I'm late. Like, thank you for waiting. Right. Changing that language. Like you're talking. Right. Yeah. Right. It seems though, like most of the time, what it is right now is calling somebody up and saying, um, I apologized to you yesterday and I'm trying to change that. And I just want to say, I wasn't really sorry. I don't think that was my fault after I sat with it. I actually <laughs> feel like this right. And trying to just build my own accountability with myself yeah. by like checking up on myself, like holding myself accountable for that and going back to the places where I show up as the person who I'm not like intentionally trying to be and correcting it.
1: Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Cause that, that takes, I mean, you talk about vulnerability. Yep. Like even just thinking about doing that something, even as small as like, you know, apologizing to somebody that there wasn't an issue anyways. And then calling and being like, you know, I apologized yesterday and I'm trying to hold myself, like I'm thinking of my, it's already just giving me anxiety thinking about doing that to anybody.
2: Yeah. You know, what's interesting is it seems to have like that level of, you know, holding myself accountable, being transparent and authentic. It either yeah. makes people super uncomfortable and the relationship gets further apart, mm-hmm. or it opens the door for that person to also behave that way and the relationship becomes super close. Yes. Either way's a win for me, really. Like.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, <laughs> um, so it's been interesting, and I think for the people who aren't ready for that, like that's fine too. It's just a yeah. different experience of life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I even, I I think, I don't know if you've run into this too, but a lot of times people I'll talk to people, especially if it's somebody I know and I'll explain things and and they're like, no, no, you know? And I remember when I was first starting in this whole journey myself that I was like, no, this is, this is bullshit. Like this is nothing, you know? Um, And then, but I kept going back to it. So, and then it almost felt like a puzzle piece just fell into place. And I'm like, oh, like all of a sudden I got it. And I've heard that from a few people. They're like, you kept saying this stuff. And I was like, what are you, stupid? And then all of a sudden it connected in a different way with them. And they're like, I finally got, I finally get what you're saying.
2: Yep. Yeah, and that's a good example of why we shouldn't base what we say or how we show up on other on other people's reactions, right? We shouldn't look Mm. out here to be like, is that okay? What I said, was I right about that? Because everybody is on these different journeys, right? We're all on these crazy sliding doors and no two, two people may line up like, oh my gosh, we're at the same place in the journey. And then, then, right. That connection, it isn't going to happen all the time with everybody, but it might happen. Like you're saying like months later or years later, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's why that person was in my life or that's what they meant when they said that.
1: Yes, yeah.
2: And you can't have those experiences if you're if you're not bringing your full self to the table. You're doing right. people a disservice. Even if they're angry at you in the moment, that doesn't mean that they're not going to appreciate you in the future.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm, uh, <laughs> so um. And this is with a family member so I can get away with it. But I told them, like, we're going to talk, but my goal is going to be to piss you off every time we talk. I said, I'll let you know when I'm going to start. And I'll let you know when we're done. So, but my goal is to piss you off. And I've heard <laughs> that there's been some trash talking behind, like when I'm gone or something like that. I'm like, perfect. It's
2: yeah. exactly
1: what we want to happen. Yep.
2: Yeah. Shake yeah. things up. Yeah. They really need to be shaken up.
1: Uh, That was this realization I had when I was, when I was angry, you know, I, I was going for anger issues, going to therapy for anger issues. And I'm like, I don't have an anger problem. I have a mastery of anger. I practice it every day for the smallest things, you know? So I decided like, I, what I wasn't practicing was peace, was Mm. calmness, was being content. So I said, okay, I can't practice that when I'm calm you know, I can't practice being calm while I'm calm. So I have to go out with an intention of getting pissed off. And since driving was always like such a big trigger for me, I, I would drive in the slow lane. And I, I worked probably about an hour away at the time. So, you know, a two-hour commute, commute both ways in the slow lane, You had a lot of time for
2: investigation. Yeah, I mean,
1: (laughs) my knuckles were so white. My stare was like all bent now and stuff, you know. And I was hating life. But now I can have people cut me off. And I'm just like, yeah, go ahead. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to take part in your... If I had a guy uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, run a red light, cut me off. I had slam on my brakes. And then he gave me the finger. And I just laughed. I'm like, I don't accept the misery that you're trying to give me. I don't need... You're good, buddy. You're good. You you drive off being miserable. I'm going to drive off being happy.
2: Yep. Yeah. I think that I love, I love the, the aspect of what you said, because it's all these things that we have, these tools, we have peace, right? Clarity. They're like muscles and the more you use them, the more they grow. And I always tell my clients, like, if I asked you to do a hundred setups today, you couldn't do it, but you could probably do one. Same thing here, right? If I asked you to never get angry again, you're not going to be able to do it. And so don't try to do it. And then when you're not perfect, shame yourself, right? Because it's going to be a process. You're going to have to exercise that over and over and over again until it gets stronger. And that's just the way it works.
1: Yeah. And, And that it's a learned thing for that perfectionism, you know, because when you look at a baby, trying to grab the keys, you know, like, or like the little thing you're dangling and they don't do it. And and after like two or three times, the baby doesn't go, son of a bitch. Like I quit. I give up. you know, it just keeps trying walking. We fall, we get back up. I mean, if we lived that all the time, if that was a natural thing, we would all be middle-aged people sitting on the floor with diapers on because we failed at walking and potty training. You know, but then As soon as we go for our education, that's when we start to, and I love education. Like, I mean, I love learning, but that's when we start to learn that there's a way to do it and you got to do it this way. And it's always about quieting the person, you know? Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the other part, you actually did a TikTok video about this that I really loved is about learning how to sit with the feeling, right? So you're trying to grow things, success, failure, success, failure. Some days you're hundred percent, some days you're 10%. And then on the back end, going, I don't have to resist this feeling. Like I'm not, I'm not good today. I'm just gonna sit with this. And that it's actually the relationship with the feeling that's more important, like than the feeling, right? Like yeah. you take away the resistance, you take away the fight of like, why am I not happy today? Why am I not motivated today? Yes. And you're actually closer to being motivated, right? Like that relationship with your feelings. And understanding how to be in relationship with your thoughts and your feelings. I think that is like another thing that I would say, okay, that piece of life coaching I really believe in is understanding that there's me, whatever that is, consciousness, soul, whatever you want to call it, right? Higher self. And then there's my thoughts, my feelings, and I'm in relationship with all these things. And what's my relationship with them? Because when I look back at my life, um, I can see like, how much suffering came because of my relationship with what I was going through?
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. That I hate when I have to practice this myself, but <laughs> you know, because but what they said, you know, um, it's not the feeling that we have that's the problem; it's the meaning that we give to that feeling. Yeah, um, I think it was from a book, uh, Buddha's Brain: The Neuroscience of Happiness, Wisdom, and some, There was a third one. But it was written by two neuroscientists that are also um, Buddhist practitioners, and they do meditation, they work at a Buddhist temple, I think down in Florida. And they were talking about that, like in Buddhism, they call it the second dart. So the first dart is, you know, I wake up and I stub my toe on the chair, you know, that that pain comes, that's the first dart, nothing you can do about it. The second dart is when I start yelling and blaming, you know, Sandy, like, why did you move the chair? You know, when she she had or whatever, or step on the dog or something, it scares me. And I'm like, why were you laying there? You know, and that's the second thought that we throw at ourselves. So we get hit with that um, initial pain. And then we just start stabbing ourselves even more. And you can sit with one of the coolest things I've, I've found is like, I still get depressed. You know, um, it used to last for like months. Now it's normally like a day. And I'm happy.
2: Yeah. I'm
1: depressed, but I'm happy. And my depression has gone from a feeling of like life is horrible. There is no hope to I'm just slow today. I could be slow. I could watch, you know, five episodes of The Office and laugh and it's okay. Yeah. You know, and then I sit there and I'm just like, this is cool. Like I enjoy this. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That it's, I I always feel, I think I struggle more with anxiety than I do with depression, but sometimes I find, I guess I would say all the time I find the world to be overstimulating and I'm really empathic. So I I feel a lot of people, I feel big feelings all the time. I can read the news and cry for hours. Like I have to be very careful about what's here. Yeah. And sometimes it gets too much. And I'll do the same thing. I'll close all my blinds. I'll watch reruns of the office. I'll eat chips. I'll (laughs) and then you know what? The next day I'm fine. Yeah. But my old behavior of pushing through that, making myself work, being tough on myself, right? Then it would become chronic. Yeah. Because I never let it like have its own space or its own seat at the table.
1: Yeah. And you know, it just like hit me too? what you said, having a relationship with our feelings. It's almost like having a group of friends all inside of our heads. Um, Mm -hmm. And and we we interact with our friends, all of our friends, in a different way because they all have different personalities. In the same way, our feelings have different personalities.
2: And when that we, is really all, true.
1: Yeah, and like when we like that was the the biggest thing that changed uh, my relationship with Sandy when we got remarried was I stopped viewing our marriage from my own self centered perspective, and realized the more I fed her needs, the more I got exactly what I wanted in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was more like the more I served her, the more I got exactly what I want. So I'm like, wow, I can be selfish by being understanding and selfless. Like, so being selfless is the best way to be selfish. Like, it's so weird, you totally. know. But if we if we take that same sort of mentality with our with our feelings and like, oh, okay, I'm angry today for no reason. Well, that this is my friend, my anger, you know, and and. Interact with it that way and be selfless towards it, and allow it to run its course. It doesn't get as bad, and it lasts, you know, a fraction of the time that it normally does.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I find the same thing is with like what I call my inner two-year-old, right? Like yeah, this, yeah. <laughs> part of me that like likes to throw fits still, that even though I'm yeah. forty-four, and letting even that have a voice like, okay, I'm going to set the timer for 10 minutes. And then I'm going to call a friend and say like, can I like verbally vomit on you for a minute? Like, it's not fair. And then my timer goes off and I'm like, damn it. Time to like shift and take accountability. Thank you. Two-year-old, but adult Mindy's taking over now. Yes, yes. Again, when I didn't know how to do that, when I hated that part of myself and was like, you shut up.
1: Yeah. (laughs) yeah then
2: it ran my life more yep because it just got louder and louder because it wanted to be heard right we all want to yeah
1: it's it's crazy i was just reading last night um in this book uh a valve your brain by joe dispenza and i was i was questionable about him in the beginning he's a he's a chiropractor so i'm like all right (laughs) but like and I, i i i believe in chiropractic care and stuff i mean not to the extent that like it's, it's going to solve a brain tumor or something like, I, I don't know, but, um but he was talking about this, this cycle, this loop that we get in and and he's using, and this is why I love him because he uses the neuroscience and all the science and not just like, Hey, I know because I'm a chiropractor, but he was talking about the neuroscience of it, where if we have this thought, it's a negative thought, like, like guilt towards myself or shame, it releases chemicals like neuropeptides, which then make us feel guilty or insecure, which then sends a signal back to the brain to produce more thoughts about insecurity, which then release more of those chemicals that makes us feel. And so it's this loop that we go through. I'm like, oh no, that that makes that makes it. So the more we focus on, I don't want to feel this, the more we're telling our brain this is exactly what we want to feel. And the more it makes us feel it. And then we fight even more. <laughs> You know, yeah, and that
2: it's, like, it's actually something chemical happening in your body. Like, with, yes. whatever if you tell yourself a story that is negative or whatever, you're creating that chemical balance that is then reinforcing that story. That's crazy.
1: Yeah. And then the children say, So tell yourself a different story.
2: Yes. Yeah. Can't and then the easy. opposite happens, right? You hack those brain chemicals yeah. and then start producing good, you know, good juice. <laughs> Right. Yeah. 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 One thing I think is funny about this, and I don't know if you can relate to this or not, but when I started playing around with this, there was this piece of me that said, that's not true. Like the positive thoughts aren't true. You're faking it. Like you're, you're just, I don't know. It was somehow this belief that It was irresponsible to give up the negative thoughts or that the negative thoughts were the ones that were keeping me alive and successful and that I was arrogant almost to be happy and choose happy thoughts. Just a bunch of like kind of weird belief systems about choosing my own thoughts. And somebody said to me once I was having this conversation and they said, Mindy, why does it matter if it's true? If you tell yourself everybody hates you and you go out into the world, and you have a certain experience right you tell yourself everybody loves me you go out into the world you have a certain experience that's completely made up who cares which one's true yeah how does it make you feel and then that i was like jaw drop like yeah you're right it's all make-believe like i can tell myself anything and it doesn't matter if it's true like do you know what i mean i'm not saying like get crazy and believe lies but
1: Right, right. <laughs> if, if
2: you think that if, if there's something inside of you or me saying, you can't say you're beautiful, you can't say you're talented, well, you know what? You are. So just own it. And it doesn't matter if it's true. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That and that brings me right back to, to church. Like you were saying earlier, like like filthy rags. You know, I mean, we heard that all the time. You know, five years old. And I deserve to burn in a lake of fire for all of eternity, Crazy. not only burn a lake of fire, but where the worm dieth not, which it says like in Matthew son. So I'm going to be being eaten by worms while I'm burning, like, and I'm five, like, and that's what I was like, holy crap, you know? So you learn that you are nothing. And then pride, well, I mean, that's how Lucifer fell, pride. Oh, so yeah. for me to sit there and say, oh, I'm good at something. Can't say that. That's prideful you know, so yeah. And it just controlled everything.
2: Yes. That is exactly it. Totally. You hit the nail on the head. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what I'm saying. And breaking free from that is, I guess, yeah, it's just so freeing, right. It's life-changing. It Yes, is. I kind of feel like it's like all the joy and all the love and everything's here but you just gotta like open the door to it <laughs>
0: right
1: yes yeah but it's
2: more about oh i think it's like uh there's a Rumi poem that says i don't have to go seek for love i just have to remove the barriers inside myself that exist to it already being right like that sort of concept yes. all this stuff is here already i'm not lacking any of it it's just removing whatever th- barriers or thoughts or barriers right is blocking me from actually experiencing it in this moment
1: that is awesome yeah yeah
2: yeah and all this stuff like easier said than done it's a practice right but that's that's why it's good to have other people and that's why it's good you know to have a life coach and go talk to somebody and have them help you reframe things until your brain learns to reframe things
1: yeah yeah Yeah, that's what I always tell everybody like my goal in working with everybody is to never have to talk to them again as fast as possible. (laughs) Not that that's like I I don't ever want to talk to them again, but I want them to go out and take that see that change and then just blow their life up, you know, and I, I just want to watch them fly, you know, I mean, that's what gets me so fired up.
2: Yeah. Yeah. What's cool about my practice now, cause I started in 2010 is that I've actually had a few clients come back years later, like, Hey, I'm really? up against something else in my life. Now I thought we could talk again. Like, yeah, we can. Oh, talk that is you.
1: awesome. Yeah. Right? And I was, it's I was so thinking about that. Cool. The other day. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And you kind of catch up and then you're like, okay, let's dive in. Let's do this thing again. We're going to face this thing. And then when you're, you, when you're through it, you're going to go shine. It's going to be your butterfly phase again, right? Like we're we're going to get through your cocoon phase together. And then you're going to go do your butterfly phase and it's going to be awesome.
1: <laughs> did, did you see that it was, was it easier the second time around? Like they already had these, this sort of foundation and then they just needed a little bit of like sort of maintenance or tweaking or something. Um,
2: I don't know. I think the investigation felt very much the same. I think mm. what made it easier is knowing their language and their history yeah. because part of coaching is understanding what can this person relate to what story can I tell this person so that they understand this concept and so the more shared stories you have with an individual you're like remember when we talked about this like or you've mentioned this it's kind of right and so more reference points I think are always really helpful
1: yeah I like how you said that too the the, the investigation because that, that's what it seems like. I'm like I'm gonna ask you an, an like an annoying amount of questions. Um, yep but that's what it is. It's an investigation into who they are and why they do what they do and what 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 they're made of. you know um, I love that.
2: Yeah, you called yourself a seeker, which I really related to and I recently thought of something that I changed that to because I used to change myself call myself a seeker all the time. And now I call it myself an epiphany hunter.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Yeah, it's like a treasure hunter, but for the epiphany.
2: Right, because that's why you're like, oh, what? What else is here? And then you have those little ahas, and they're so beautiful. And yeah, yeah. And for me, like, is that why we're here? Because it seems to me like that's why we're here.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I saw. I think I read it somewhere a a little while ago, but like basically, we are how the universe is aware of itself. We are how the universe experiences itself. Um, yes. you know, almost like we're the, tr- like neurotransmitters for the universe or the brain cells for the universe.
2: Yeah. And I always
1: thought that was so, so interesting.
2: Yeah. Yeah. What I love about that concept is, and this is just what I love about humans. It, it trips me out that there's things about me that I love that I can't control that I love, like even silly things yeah. like I like to eat sunflowers until the like little bumps are on my lips. Like at a baseball game, like, <laughs> yeah. why do I like that? Like, that's just some weird thing. Like authenticity is so weird. Like consciousness came into this body and this body likes to garden and this body likes to eat sunflower seeds in this body. And I'm not even really in control of it. It feels like.
0: <laughs> <That's>
1: yeah. A- <laughs> yeah.
2: But when I see that in other people, that's what's so beautiful i'm like oh look at consciousness over there likes to create art and consciousness over there likes to give lectures and consciousness over there likes to do this and so it's almost like i mean i don't use the word god very much but if god is such a thing that you're getting to see all these like different facets of you know consciousness or god or whatever you want to call it and all these people's authenticity and I love that. And that's why I love authenticity because when someone's playing the game and trying to do it right, you can't see that in them. And, yep. and then you're like, hmm. <laughs> I wonder what yeah. like, really, like you have a natural thing that wants to come through. What is it?
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I, man, that really, that really like hits me because imagine if we could all just see the world and instead of somebody doing something different or being different, judging that, well, you're not like me, you know, so you're bad, but instead just taking the wonder in the differences. Yes. You know, I mean, how much more peace we would have in society.
2: Yeah. And I think sort of collective wisdom. Yeah. Because I can't possibly fit all the wisdom in my body of a being, right? So you have a piece of it too. So the more that we can Learn from each other. And if we're in that curious space of wonder that you said, then we're like, okay, I can learn from a thousand of you, right? And yeah, more of this because everybody just has a little piece of it.
1: Right. That I always used to beat myself up about I don't know enough to actually do this. Like we were talking about, like giving yeah. advice and stuff, and I need to go get my master's degree. And then, of mm-hmm. course, that would be enough either. So I would get my doctorate and I got to specialize in something. And, and I'm like I, I'm interested in doing all of that, but my, my interest it spans too much. you know I want to know ne- physics. I want to know um, quantum mechanics. I want to know neuroscience but not like not like the squishy brain stuff that's gross like like the, the imagination part of our, our minds, you know how expansive that is, how there's a universe I I want to know everything about our universe and cultures and people and behaviors and i just want to know everything you know and mm-hmm. it just opens up, us up to more and more and more so that we see that at the same time that we are absolutely nothing we are also the center of the universe and both are true at the same time like that makes no sense but i love it
2: yep and that's i think kind of how all life is is it's you know oh my gosh, this feeling is the most important thing to me right now. I have to get this job. I My relationships, and it means everything. And also it means nothing. Yes. And, right. In 20 years, I'm going to look back and be like, why was I so freaked out about that thing? I'm over here now. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and like kind of embracing that like strange p- piece of life that it's both everything and it's kind of meaningless.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I always I call myself an optimistic nihilist, you know like no, nothing matters and that is beautiful that that frees me up to you know, I got hurt at work and 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 so I had to uh be retired. I had to get a new hip thrown in and I worked in the prisons and I couldn't be in the prisons anymore. so and that's when I went to school and um oh it was, it started to my mind will take like this quick left and I'll be like, I'm talking about this and then I'm like, I'm thinking about like, the grocery store for some reason i don't know why and it just did that and i'm like i don't know what i was talking about <laughs> but it would have been a cool story i, I promise you yeah, cool my brain
2: does that too i'm like oh this is my you know adhd play where my brain's like oh something shiny
1: <laughs> yes yeah yeah especially when, when i talk about this stuff because everything is, everything you're saying, I'm going all over the place, but like, and I'm listening to, and then like, and then I'm saying, then sometimes my thoughts get louder than the words I'm saying. So I'm just like, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Who is it? Michael Scott. Yeah. In the office that said, a lot of times I don't know what I'm saying. I just keep talking and hope I end up somewhere. I'm like, I got that. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. But I also sometimes think there's wisdom in that, right. In that flow. Um, I had, the privilege of seeing the Dalai Lama ones. It was amazing.
1: Oh, wow. And
2: so they kind of like bring him out on stage and, you know, then he like calls his assistant back over and they're whispering and he's like, okay. Um, so I forgot what we were supposed to talk about today, but she said we were talking about this. And so, um, let me think for a minute. Okay. This is about, and, he, and it was like all in the present moment, right? It wasn't like wow. he came with cards and had a speech prepared. He accessed the moment, right? And what it brought. And that's kind of what this reminds me of is like you're chasing thoughts, chasing thoughts, chasing thoughts, but ultimately it's just leading to whatever the present moment wants to give birth to. Yeah.
1: Actually that would be a pretty cool name for the podcast, chasing
2: thoughts. I love that. Chasing thoughts. Yeah, and yeah. that I think that sometimes um what can get frustrating for people in a coaching session is that that takes time sometimes right you chase it all the way over here and you think you got it and then no that's not it you chase it and it takes a lot of investigation especially depending on how much something's hidden in your brain like if you've hidden it from yourself really well it could take some work to chase thoughts until you find that thing that nut of whatever it is that's like bothering you or that like nut belief system or thought or And um, so when people ask me what coaching sessions are like, I'm like, well, sometimes they're exciting and like, oh my gosh. And sometimes they're really boring. And sometimes you're doing the work and it's all of it. Right. And staying in there for the process is when you see the ultimate success.
1: Yeah. 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 That is a perfect way to put that. I love that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just okay, cool. with the process. Well, I, I, this was a really good talk for an hour. I like it.
1: Yeah, I what do.
2: People think
1: I'm like so thrown out because like I can't hear myself because I have these on, mm. but then my voice comes through here. So I feel like I'm being like completely monotone and everything. I'm like yelling. Yeah, this is going to take some getting used to, but yeah. Yeah, this was uh, really cool though.
2: Yeah. So I would say if anybody watches this in the internet land after we post it, uh, if you want to talk about something, DM us post it on a below or something. Cause I'd love people to just suggest topics for us to dig into if that's interesting for people. And I think people don't know, like, um, you know, one thing you mentioned was like, what's suffering? Like, is it good? Is it bad? How do we suffer? What's the purpose? Like, so if there's subjects out there that people are interested in, like, let's just keep diving into subjects.
1: Yeah. Oh Yeah that's just the way I live. So I'm, I'm down for that. Definitely, man.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Sounds good. All right. Well, I'm going to stop the recording.
0: Thank you for listening to the chasing thoughts podcast. Please support us by liking subscribing, or leaving a review or comment, we would really appreciate it. If you'd like to be a guest, we would love to explore life and what it means to be human with you. Please email us at podcast at gmail.com.